Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Leaders will have to give an account for the tending of the souls of the people in the church. That the leaders in the church will have to give an account for positioning the people in the church for godliness. But here's something you have to get a hold of. Okay, you are responsible for your own godliness. All right, the leaders are responsible. Their part is they're responsible to position you but you are responsible for your own godliness. Pastor Jim wants us to hear in today's message that we are not passive in our relationship with Jesus. We can hear message after message from spiritual leaders of every kind, but in the end, it is each individual's choice to apply what they have learned and decide whether they will follow Jesus or not. We cannot blame our lack of knowledge on pastors or even on other Christians. We have the Bible available for us to read and direct communication with Jesus through prayer that work together to help us live the Christian life. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part one of his message entitled, Humbled and Exalted. When you start to study the Bible, you come across an important tension that you have to hold if you want to live the Christian life. And what I mean by tension is not a fighting thing, not that things are complete opposites, but that you have to hold this tension very tightly or you're going to end up way off one way or the other. And so on the one hand... Christianity calls us to trust the Lord. We are to trust God with our soul, with our daily lives, with all of the things that we are, all of the things that we have. On the other hand, we're called to action. We just don't kind of sit around and do nothing. We are to live out this life. Now, maybe for some of the students and teachers, you've heard of something called quietism. Quietism was something that became really popular in the terminology around the 1600s. And the idea behind quietism is you just commune with God. You get away, you know, for you younger people at SpongeBob, use your imagination. Okay? So you commune with God and you just accept things the way that they are. Sort of a, sort of a hyper let go and let God kind of thing. But that is extreme, and it's an extreme non-biblical position. The other extreme, for lack of a better term, we'll call it activism. That's where you hop on the Lord's treadmill, and you're just trying to do everything you can do for God so He will be so happy with you. The only problem with that is you just completely end up burning out. Here in 1 Peter 5, the apostle Peter is landing the letter to the churches that he's writing in the area of Turkey, part of the Roman Empire. It's about 30 years after Jesus was crucified, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. And he's trying to now in this section help his readers hold this tension between what we call God's sovereignty, 
how God operates in the world, and man's responsibility, what God expects from us. Now, he's not trying to reconcile them. Do you know why he's not trying to reconcile them? Because you can't reconcile them. God's sovereignty, the way God works in the world, all of it, not some of it, but all of it, is far beyond us. And the other side, when it comes to man's responsibility, is no human being can totally surrender their wills to God. No human being can totally live perfectly. This is one of the reasons why it's important to realize that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, which is why he was on the cross a perfect sacrifice. Because Jesus, God become a man, was able to totally surrender his will to his heavenly Father and to live perfectly. So what about us mere mortals? Well, Peter wants us to see that it's important for us to pray for divine help when it comes to living the Christian life. And after we've prayed for divine help, we walk faithfully in this new life in Jesus Christ that he has for us. And after we've prayed and after we've, we've walked faithfully, what do we do? We trust the Lord with the results of our lives. You can only do so much. I can only do so much. We have to do our best and commit the rest because God will do what God will do. Many of you know I'm a horrible singer. Horrible. I could take voice lessons all I want, and I still will be a horrible singer, right? It's really not my fault. It's God's fault because he didn't make me a good singer, right? It's not sinful to not make me a good singer, but I have to trust the Lord with the results because I'm not a good singer. Now, as we pray for divine help, as we walk faithfully, as we trust in the Lord for the results of our life, believe it or not, such a life will be considered great in the kingdom of God. Dare I use the word exalted? That God will exalt such a life, but interestingly enough, the beginning of being exalted in God's eyes, the end of being exalted in God's eyes, it begins and ends in the most unusual of places, and it's the word humility. Humility. Jesus said this in, in multiple places in the Bible, but he said it in Luke 14, 11, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So today I've completely stolen the sermon title from Jesus. And the sermon title is Humbled and Exalted. And the Lord has much to teach us today and some of it won't be that easy. Last week we left off with the humility that was required for leaders in the church. Remember, leaders are supposed to be humble. They're not above the people, they're in it with the people, but God has placed them in a place to feed the flock of God. And now Peter's going to move to the whole church and the need for everybody to be humble. The need for all of us to have and to demonstrate humility. Now, three things, if you're taking notes, that we'll take note of. The first will be humility before leaders. The second will be humility before others. And the third will be humility before God. We'll give them out as we go along. The first is humility before leaders. Beginning of verse 5 says this, likewise, and the idea is not in the same way. We saw this in chapter 3. When Peter uses that word, he's, he's talking about continuing the discussion. So he's talking, he's continuing the discussion on leadership in the church. Now he turns to the flock. We talked about under shepherds last week. 
being under shepherds, and here he talks about being sheep. Likewise, you younger people, now some of you are like, hmm, maybe I'm exempt here. Others are looking at the young people. Are you listening? You know, kind of elbowing them. Stop listening to the sermon for other people, right? We got to listen for ourselves. You younger people, some say younger men, some versions say younger men, submit yourselves to your elders, Now, I don't think it has to do with age, only from the sense of elders or leaders in the church. We just came out of a discussion on leaders in the church. So submit, young people, submit to the leaders of the church. Does that mean just do what you're told? Well, maybe sometimes it does, but I don't really think that's what he's talking about here. I think what he's saying here is younger people, make sure that you are supporting the direction of the church. Now, throughout this letter in 1 Peter, Peter has been telling all of us to be submissive, all of us to be submissive. Remember, he told us to be submissive to the government. You need the Holy Spirit for that these days, right? Okay, be submissive to the government. Be submissive to your boss. In marriage, we are to be submissive to our spouses, but all of this is, we said when we were going through those sections, never to sin. Never to sin. We have to get on board with maybe what the program is, but once they tell you to sin, you don't have to do that. Now, here Peter singles out younger people, and probably because younger people tend to struggle more with this. Peter, you read about him in the Gospels and the Apostles, major struggles with even doing what Jesus says. And I think many of us have seen a very gifted young person out in the business world or in various places in life and thinking, you know, that's a really gifted person, really gifted young man, young lady, but they need a little bit of humility. They need to learn something. Many of us have seen people, I've seen a lot of people with this, hindered in their career because although they were very gifted, they were not humble. And so here Peter the word of the Lord, the Lord telling us that one of the ways that you follow Jesus is by following his God-ordained leaders. Never to sin, realizing that they're flawed, but still this is one of the ways we follow Jesus. Now, you might say, well, Jesus and the apostles, they were very young when they started in the ministry. Most, you know, we know Jesus was about 30 when he started. The apostles, most people think late teens, early 20s. That's true. Jesus was the perfect standard, so unless we're going to be perfect, we've got to take a step back from that. And the apostles were, were very energetic, but very foolish. And if you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe he would say that about the apostles, then read the Gospels and you'll be very surprised that they had a lot to learn. Now, some of you might be sitting here and saying, glad he's talking to the younger people here. I'm older. I guess I can just be rebellious. No, that's not the case. Nor can you complain 24-7. No, what Peter's doing here is he's using a writing technique where he's calling everyone, even the most impetuous, which he was, and independent among us, to this calling. You see, part of the sin nature is to pick and choose what we want to follow and what we don't, isn't it? You know, there's certain things that, you know, the boss is like, you know, do this, do that. You're like, I don't want to do that. But then he gets, gives you a check and he says, cash it. You go, we'll do, sir. We'll do. No, no problem. But that's not following Jesus. When we pick and choose what the Bible says that we're supposed to do, that's not following Jesus. And the Lord wants each of us to live faithfully and act appropriately where he has placed us. What did he say to the leaders in the church? Don't 
lord it over the people. Don't be a dictator. Don't be just running around barking orders at everybody. Okay? Your job is not to be over the flock. Your job is to support the flock. And what is he saying to the people in the flock today? Your job, your role, is to come alongside the leaders and to show them respect. Now, over the years, I've noticed many things, but one thing I've noticed is that good followers make the best leaders. People who have really learned to follow well are often equipped to lead well because they have learned to see the world from both points of view. They've learned to see the world as, uh, through the eyes of a follower, and they've also come to appreciate seeing the world through the eyes of a leader. And that's very important because if you feel that God has called you to be a leader, you must learn to lay aside your preferences. And even if you're not called to be a leader, in many instances, you must learn to lay aside your preferences. We all have to lay aside our preferences for the good of the flock and for the Lord's sake. And one of the best ways you learn to lead is starting out learning by following. Now, we're going to return to Hebrews 13, 17. Remember, we talked about that last week. I said that's the verse that all the pastors use to make people feel guilty. And so uh, we'll feel a little guilty for a second here. Not really. Obey those who rule over you. Probably a more cleaned up version of what we would say today is obey your leaders and be submissive. What are you submissive to? What are, we, what are we submissive to when we obey our leaders? We're submissive to their God-given position. Not to them. You know, I had to say on rare occasions here in the church, very, very rare, that, you know, people might say something to me, and I say, I'm fine with what you think of me, but don't insult the office. I don't know about you, that's kind of my beef with this whole presidential thing, to, to find these people bickering on a stage and thinking, oh my goodness, one of them's going to be our president? I mean, there's humanity, but there's the office. Don't, let's not rob the office of the honor. And so in the church, there is, there is an honor to the office. So we are to realize that, that leaders in the church, flawed as they might be, doesn't mean we don't leave an abusive church. I'm always cracking. We were talking about that in our small group the other night. You know, some people will stay in an abusive church where they're just beating you up to no end for years and years and years. And other people will leave because we don't serve gluten-free communion wafers. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, the gambit is just absolutely huge. Obey those who rule over you, for they watch out for your souls. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. That's the call to leadership. That's the motivation for doing a good job is you're going to have to give an account. And it says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. That's how pastors make you feel guilty. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I choose whether I, I live a life of joy or grief. You don't do that to me, really. I mean, I, I may every once in a while be upset when somebody hurts somebody else, but for that would be unprofitable to you. Another version puts it interestingly, says, by submitting to leaders, you actually help yourself. And we'll probably see why in a second. Now, in our day, in our culture, the word submissive is really a curse word because it conjures up ideas of abuse. And there have been many people who have been abusive using that word submission. But not so in the Bible. 
it is not a word of abuse. And here with leaders, he's telling us in Hebrews 13, 17, that leaders will have to give an account for the tending of the souls of the people in the church. That the leaders in the church will have to give an account for positioning the people in the church for godliness. But here's something you have to get a hold of. Okay, you are responsible for your own godliness. All right, the leaders are responsible. Their part is they're responsible to position you, but you are responsible for your own godliness. I hear from a lot of people when we go out on outreaches or I meet people that I'm talking to about faith and matters of faith, and they'll say, well, you know, I really don't know anything about God, but that's my priest's fault. That's not right. I don't know anything about God, but that's my pastor's fault. No, that's not right. God is going to hold each of us. He's going to hold them accountable for not teaching you, but he's going to hold us accountable for our own godliness. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, when I talk to God, I'll, I'll straighten him out about this. I don't know about you, but I don't envision myself meeting God and straightening him out. When I think about meeting God, there's usually three things I think about. Number one, I'm the lion talking to the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> For those of us who are a little bit older, remember a fellow by the name of Ralph Cramden. Ahamana, 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 ahamana. It's kind of what I see it. Or the only words I might be able to get out is this. I look at Jesus and I go, I'm with him. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't foresee myself telling God off. And believe it or not, this model of church and leadership is God's design for the growth and godliness of the people of God. This is how the good shepherd cares for his flock. This is what a lot of people say when they don't want to submit to, to leadership, okay? But my leader is imperfect. So is your boss. So is the government. So is my wife's husband. <laughs> and so are you. We're all imperfect. You see, that's not the point that Peter's making. The point is not the perfection of the leadership. The point is faithfulness under God's sovereignty. The point is being faithful where God has put you. And apart from the Lord Jesus, I think the best example in the Bible is King David, who served under King Saul. You have this godly young man serving under a godless king in so many ways, but originally he was God's choice. And Saul's trying to kill David, and then David had the opportunity to kill him, and what did he say? I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to let God deal with Saul. And so just as there are no excuses for harsh leadership, we saw that last week, there's no excuse for undermining the leadership in the church. Again, you said, I, I'm with you, Pastor Jim, but you don't understand. Man, like leaders are just not perfect. That's fine. Jesus is perfect, right? Any of you ever not want to do what he said? Ever any of us not do what he said? You see, one way we learn to obey Jesus is learning to obey others who God has put in our lives, if you will, to smooth us out a little. Sandpaper, right? We learn by humility before leaders. Number two, 
Humility before others. So if point number one didn't clear your sinuses, here we go. Humility before others. Now, just a quick note for you Bible students. I really think that verse 5 should be two separate verses. I don't think it should be one. That's why I interrupted it right in the middle like that. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Jim, you're questioning the Bible. The Bible was not written in chapter and verse. That was put in later to make it easier for us to find things. The chapter divisions came about in the 13th century. The verse notations came about in the 16th century. And some of your Bibles are written in paragraph form. And the paragraphs came about much more recently. So again, he said, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. And then he says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Quoting Proverbs 3.34, James also mentioned it in his epistle, chapter 4, verse 6. So let's read the second half again very slowly. Yes, all of you... Oh, you're like, ah, I thought I wasn't young, I was exempt, am I... Be submissive to one another. That term, one another, what does it mean? It's church language. As we exist in the church and we interact with one another. And then he says, and he gives us a command, be clothed with humility for, and this will either keep you up at night or make you sleep like a baby, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So now Peter moves from last week, how the leaders are to be, this week, how we are to uh, respond to leadership. Notice I spent the whole week last week complaining about bad leaders and telling leaders how to do and, and realizing that I have to live up to that standard and do my best with God's help for that. This week we talked a little bit about what it is for people who are not leaders. Now he moves into the interpersonal relations in the church and he says this, Every one of us must put on humility. Well, why is this so important in church life? Why is this so important in church life? I think there's a lot of reasons that you could talk about it, but I'll pick one that is probably very important to the church in America right now, is because the humble, and don't assume humble is people who are just quiet, Do you ever meet anybody and walk around, I'm just a humble man. I'm like, no, you're not. You're proud because you think you're humble. (laughs) Okay? So so it's not necessarily quiet. A humble person realizes they're a sinner, and so they tend to be less personally offended by other sinners. You got that? They realize they're a sinner, so when others act sinfully towards them, they're less surprised by it. And too often, people use personal offense as the reason why they don't go to church or why they don't participate in anything. Well, you know, I was offended one time. I'm like, one time? (laughs) My goodness, how many of you have been offended more than once? You see, pride constantly presses its own ideas. Pride constantly presses its own agenda. And here's the thing. Sometimes pride is loud, but sometimes pride seethes in our hearts. We can be proud if we just want our own way all of the time, even if we never say a word about it. Pride leaves when it's offended. Pride pouts when it's offended, when it doesn't get its own way. But humility is the attitude of putting others first. 
there's an old expression about humility. It says that humility is the oil that allows relationships to run smoothly. Humility is the oil that allows relationships to run smoothly. That's how a church runs smoothly. Now, we run pretty smoothly here. I don't know whether we're humble or we're just all so busy we don't have any time to fight. I don't know what that is. But it's so important that we are humble with one another. We studied, we came across this Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.